Hiya, Graham Norton here. It was another fun Sunday we had here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Let's have a look at what we got up to. Al Murray tells us all about the new Spinning Image musical. Show chef Martha Collison continued her love for the humble strawberry. And as always, Maria McCurlin has gathered your letters and is poised to unpick your problems in Graham's Guide. Morning, Maria. Um, Graham, I went last night to her, even though I was jet-lagged from my millionaire lifestyle. Yes, of um, course. I went, yeah. I went to a Wambam event. It was a Studio 54 event. Everything was, oh, it was fabulous. It was so fabulous. There was Andy Warhol was there taking photographs. Obviously, lookalikes, and Quentin Crisp and Leigh Bowery, and there were roller skaters and a disco dancing competition, and Grace Bones, who is a tribute to Grace Jones, as you would imagine. I get it. And yeah. Coco Canal, Coco Chanel, obviously. And so, congratulations to Craig Massam and all the creative team from Wambam for putting on and- an amazing event. And did you wear did you wear your yacht uh, white shorts for a la Club Tropicana? <laughs> No, I was going to wear my pyjamas and be Hugh Hefner because I was that tired. Um, I just wore a sort of, you know, a 70s dress. I I did low-key Studio 54. Um, You know, I could have come in like Bianca Jagger on a white horse, but... uh, Quite hard to get. I I was only I was only able to locate a donkey, and I felt that was not quite right. It would have been confusing. People were like, "Is this Christmas or Studio Fifty Four? We're not sure." <laughs> Is that Mary? <laughs> Is it Mary or Bianca? I can't I can't decide. I can't decide. Uh, now you, Maria, you like to. Well, you don't want to embrace age. Neither of us want to embrace age. What, and what I, are you saying now? Where are you going with this? I've got. <laughs> Panic. I was, I was listening to the radio and I've got a top tip for not looking old. When you've got oh, your go phone, on. when you've got your phone and you're scrolling, yeah. you don't yeah. use your forefinger, you use your thumb. If you use your forefinger, you look like a granny. And if you use your thumb, you look like a kid. That's that's one that's my gift to okay. you today. Yeah. This is Graham's tip for today. Yeah. I, I I couldn't tell you what I use for scrolling. I think I do use my thumb. So I well, I checked. Young. I I checked because I I was like you. I thought, what do I use? And I checked, and I'm a bit ambidextrous. Sometimes four fingers, sometimes thumb. Uh, that's yeah. you all over, Graham. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's me all over aging. <laughs> that, that, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I think the best way to avoid aging is to not look in the mirror. Oh, that must say that is particularly, uh, you know, one of the weekends when I get up early to go to work, and uh, <laughs> I feel fine, and then I turn on the light in the bathroom, and it's quite a shock. Who oh, no. is that? I've been asleep for thirty years. <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> when I was at drama school, I stayed with an older gentleman. It was perfectly up front and everything. Oh, um, yes. Just you know, I rented a room, and mm-hmm. um, he was he was an ex director. Yeah, uh, he was an ex director. And but I used to think, why has he done this? All the mirrors in his house, all of them, were covered. It was sort of like some weird anti-vampire thing. And one day I plucked up the courage to say, why are all the mirrors covered up? And he said, because I cannot bear to watch the ageing process. That made me feel quite sad then, but now I understand. <laughs> well, except, you do kind of think, well, take them down, you moron. Yeah, like, put a picture there instead. Yeah, don't make your house look <laughs> look like Miss Haversham's coming to stay. I mean, that's... It was a bit like that anyway. I mean, what he should have done, really, is taken all the mirrors down and put up photographs blown up of him when he was 20. That would have made him cheery. Yes, until, you know, he went outside, accidentally walked, walked past something. <laughs> or you catch a picture of yourself. 
I, I was at a thing, I was on holiday with some people last year and uh, the pictures came back and I was going, who's that fat guy on the boat? I was like, oh. Oh, oh ne- no. Ne- never mind, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> those angles. But there are filters for all of those things. If only I knew how to work them with my thumb or my forefinger. <laughs> Well, take your thumb and your forefinger and dip into your post bag and get two letters out. Virgin Radio. Radio okay, oh, it here is we go. I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Dear Graham and Maria, what can I do with my football mad son in the summer holidays to keep him entertained? He's nearly 13, that in-between age of going out on his own but not too far, and he loves snooker, football and playing the Xbox, but I obviously don't want him on there for too long. I have been ill with a chronic illness over the last year, which has limited what I'm able to do. I used to get out for walks with him and take him places, but it's much harder to do that now. I would welcome any suggestions, and that is from Serena in Exmouth. I mean, Serena in Exmouth, there will be lots of people going, oh, the summer holidays, these kids, how do we entertain them? We didn't have that in my day. Um, But I would say, Serena in Exmouth, you could get in touch with other mums. I mean, you know, there's always sort of a WhatsApp group of other mums at school and so on, and explain the situation. They probably know that you're not so well, etc. And, you know... They will often say, well, my boy is bored. Children are much better with others when they're bored. Um, So let's kind of hook up. Or in Exmouth, there must be some clubs. There must be some summer clubs for the teens, especially involved in football. There's often an awful lot of footballing clubs. I'm saying this like I know for sure, but not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, it's so difficult because in a way, controversial as it may sound, you know, being bored in the summer holidays, everybody was bored in the summer holidays, going to the mum, I'm bored. Oh, my grandma used to say, only boring people are bored and there is no cure for curiosity. So it's sort of, in a way, it's, it teaches children to make their own fun, to, you know, put on a play, to write a song, to do some painting, whatever. It's all those elements of the brain that need to be extended because you've got the Xbox and you've got the snooker and you've got the football. But, you know, there's a lot else out there for him to do. You could you could do quizzes for him. You could do a treasure hunt. All of these things don't involve you having to go out, but they are better done with others, with other little friends. It's tough, I know, and I'm sorry that you've been ill, Serena, but I think he sounds like he's, you know, his own person, 12, 13, read for that, going on 18. You want to keep him safe, that's all. But I think other mums and summer clubs. Graham? Yeah, no, I'm with you. You have to go. He must have friends. I mean, the good thing about... uh this little boy is, you know, because he likes playing football, he's obviously is good around other people because obviously, you know, some kids aren't that social and that they're kind of harder in a way to entertain. So at least he's got these things that he likes to do. So I'm with you. Just you reach out to his school friends, you reach out to the the mothers or the pe- dads of the other school friends and get him involved in those things. And the other thing too is, um, is just, you know, in the house, you know, there are things to do. I... While I was scrolling using my thumb yesterday, um, <laughs> I, I weirdly came across, I don't know how it showed up my algorithm, um, the, the, this child psychiatrist and his top tip for raising a nice human being, the, the top tip for, you know, parenting, if you wanted yeah, your yeah. child to turn into a nice adult, 
was uh, get them to help around the house. And that, it's as simple as that because they understand that they've contributed to the overall kind of benefit of the house and they become, you know, they're, they feel like a member of something bigger than themselves yeah, yeah. and the responsibility and the pride they take. Da, da, da. So, yeah, get them to clean. Uh, there you go. That's I my... think that's, that's such a no-brainer, really, but it's quite difficult if it hasn't been introduced from the get-go almost, Graham. You know, it's like, you know, kids get their rooms tidied by little invisible fairies, get their washing done by invisible fairies, the meals appear, and... For some reason, you know, when, when we were younger, those things were important that you had to wash up and it was really boring and everything. But you learn. And cooking as well, because so many kids go out to university, they have no idea how to cook, how to iron a shirt. So, you know, maybe some of those uh, sort of future plans that would help him in his life when he's 20 or whatever, um, you know, start some of those. As competitions, like seeing if you can iron a shirt and how long it takes you, seeing if you can make supper tonight and how much mess there is, things like that. Because you're right, Graham, these things are very important. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's easier if I just do it myself. They make more mess and I can just do the washing quickly. But then you get to 19 and you don't know how to turn a washing machine on. Yeah, because remember GQ did that thing, the best way, and it was like the best way to iron a shirt and the best way to knot a tie and the best way to polish a shoe and things. And it you do kind of get, even though I've no interest in doing any of those things, um, <laughs> it, it did make me go, oh, I want to do it the best way. If, if there's a best way to do it, I want to do that. So uh, there might be a way to get him interested in that. Yes. Um, and also, Serena, things like sewing a button on. I recall sewing a button on for the very Graham Norton we are speaking with. Um, <laughs> so a button on is so important because you know the button miss goes missing you can't find it then the piece of clothing is deemed redundant so sewing a button on is a very so you can teach him these things and make them into competitions from home uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just like laughing just I'm thinking like... I would have, I'm just thinking that scrolling with our thumbs isn't going to hack it now that we're telling people to sew buttons on <laughs> Uh, there were some two very old people on the radio this morning. Do you hear them? Our responses, part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting a bottle of number one Brut Reserve vintage champagne courtesy of Waitrose. How great is that? Just a bottle of champagne appearing in your life like magic. Uh, Tony in the Wirral. Just like Pet Shop Boy song, being boring is no excuse for being boring. Boredom is a great stimulus to invention. Everything we see and touch was once just a thought until it became reality. Well, that in a tea towel. Uh, thank you, Tony in the world. I mean, yes, it, so being boring isn't the worst thing in the world, or being bored isn't the worst thing in the world, but, uh, but you know, Serena's trying to prevent that happening. Uh, Marie in Stockport, get in touch with other parents. I'm sure there are lots of other children in the same position in the local area who would love to organise some activities. We were saying that too. I mean, you know, school. He must have friends in the area. I don't know. Oh, Aaron in Norfolk is very keen. Cricket, cricket, cricket. They are the best places for kids during the summer holidays. Now, we had snooker, football and Xbox. There was no mention of cricket, Aaron, but uh, you're keen. So uh, maybe, maybe it's the way forward. We don't know. Uh, Richard in Seven Oaks says, I don't understand why parents feel they need to entertain their children all the time. Young people have wonderful imaginations and given the chance can create all sorts. Give him a stick and send him into the garden. He'll soon come up with a game. I, my worry is that it might be killing the neighbour's cat. So I feel like, I feel like, 
Yeah, children do have wonderful imaginations, but I, I'm slightly of the, you know, devil makes work for idle hands. So, yeah, yeah I, 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 there's being entertained, but also there's just keeping them occupied is really, I think, maybe a better phrase because, you know, if they're not, then they could get into all... Yeah, you're right. You know, given the chance, can create all sorts. Yes, they can, Richard in Seven Oaks. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give the bottle of Waitrose Champagne to Mary in Stockport for her sensible, practical advice. All right, thank you very much. Graham's Guide. Problem number two. Dear Graham and Maria, it was my big brother's wedding three months ago. It was quite a big wedding and was absolutely beautiful until the after party where my youngest sister had too much to drink and caused an absolute scene, stumbling over the catering table, crying and shouting at anyone trying to help her. It was very unfortunate and she felt incredibly embarrassed once she found out, apologising profusely to my brother and his now new wife. They naturally weren't impressed at the time but have since forgiven her and moved forward. The problem is, is that there's still a huge frosty atmosphere towards her now from the rest of the family. My mum and dad have always cast her as the wild card uh, because she's the youngest and this has been the cherry on top of the icing, cherry on the cake, for thinking she's the black sheep of the family. Oh, a lot of metaphors there. <laughs> um, our older sister has joined in and since then, every family occasion, there has been a cold front from them towards her. I know she messed up, but I think she's been punished enough and my sister and parents are just being catty. We're not super close, but I do feel a responsibility to look after my sister, especially when she's been forgiven by the people that matter most in the situation. How can I support her without starting a family war? And that is from Mark in Workshop. Well, your letter makes me feel very sorry for your sister because, yes, she messed up, Mark. You know, she had too much to drink, got a bit crazy and caused a scene. We don't know what the reasonings were behind that. I hope she doesn't do it too often. You know, I think your parents and others who are still frosty are using this, using historical events when she's perhaps not behaved herself to add to this. I would say this is a kind of time sensitive thing, Mark, really. It will dissipate. They will warm towards her. She's family after all. But what you could do perhaps is have a word with the Puritans who never had a drink or behaved badly in their lives and say to your mum and dad and your older sister, uh, I think it's enough now. You, you don't want to make it a thing whereby, you know, she's so traumatised by all this that she'll do it again next time. You just say she's had enough. She's apologised to the people that mattered. That was your brother and his new wife. And they have forgiven her why can't you? Let's draw a line under it. I mean, this is very hard to do, especially with families, because things linger, they rankle all the time. Um, you know, they don't want to alienate her and lose her. So just say, I think she suffered enough. You are now caught making it a huge thing and um, we don't want to damage her anymore. And maybe, Mark, if you are looking after her, have a word with her about her drinking and how she goes from zero to madness. Um, because some people don't deal with drink very well. It could be something like that. Graham, what do you think? Well, I was reading between the lines, it sounds like this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. really, uh, you know, who, who's that crying and flailing around at the catering table? Oh, of course it's her. Um, so I, I feel like there's a bit of that where they're just kind of like, enough already. You know, this is just too much now. We can't cope. But... 
I, but I agree with you. I think if they don't forgive her, if they don't kind of, you know, because she's been punished enough now. It's been three months. She's mortified. It's all terrible. Da, da, da. But if they continue to do this to her, you're right. I think she will, then she'll continue to act out. And this, she'll become, she'll become this person. She'll become the kind of wild child, crazy one, da, 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 da. You know, l- let her be embarrassed. Let her kind of punish herself in a way because... It, it, it must have been humiliating. And presume, you know, it's a wedding. You know there are videos and pictures of this incident. So uh, it, it's going to live on to kind of haunt her for quite some time. So, yeah. It's I, funny, I, isn't it, how we, how we sort of act out the roles that we're given in families, you know, yeah. even subliminally. Um, and she clearly knows that she's the black sheep, the wild card and the cherry on the icing or whatever, uh, <laughs> that she's trouble. And um, so now she's kind of, she's acting out the role that she's been given. So, you know, if the sooner they can break that and embrace her back into family, you know, let's hope it's a youth thing. It's she's younger, she'll sort herself out rather than this is how I behave at these things and this is how they behave towards me afterwards. It becomes a pattern if you're not careful, Mark. So I think have a word with your parents and say, explain that to them, uh, that they don't want to make it bigger than it was. Otherwise, she's always going to be that person. And also, yeah, and I think also be nice to your sister, big her up, you know, be on her side, kind of go. And also, I think maybe explain where some of this is coming from, kind of going, well, you know, they they kind of expected you to do that and then you did it. So uh, it's kind of on you. But I think you can you can support your sister so that she knows it's not the whole family against her. That it's, you know, uh, and, and you, it doesn't need to escalate into a kind of family war where the kind of, you know, team wild child, team anti-wild child. Uh, it'll, it'll, and also it should just blow over until, until she does it again, of course. Then, uh, then it'll all happen again. Uh, yes, then get professional help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for her. Um, the responses, part two. And again, my favourite responders will be getting a number one brute special reserve vintage champagne produced exclusively by four Waitrose and partners. It's expressive champagne. It's one of the most celebrated vintages of the century and made by one of the region's few female winemakers. <gasps> Lady Champagne! And it's uh, got uh, white fruit, lemony freshness, balanced by the richness of hazelnut praline and patisserie characters. There you go. That's what you're getting, if I think your response is the best. Claire in Glasgow says, Why do parents play favourites like this? Leave Philippa Perry's book lying around in your parents' house. The book you wish your parents had read and your children would be glad that you did. They clearly need to think about how their actions are affecting your sister. Also, suggest she gets counselling because her emotions must have been in turmoil at the wedding. Hidden sadness coming out. Good luck. All right, Claire, thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Helen in Preston. It's a doctor, everyone. This will be good. Sometimes people live up to the role in which they have been cast. Sounds like your parents cast her as the black sheep way before this event. And I wonder if something was said at the wedding which made her drink. Chat with your sister. Ask her what happened. Encourage her to not play the role she has been cast in. Support her. Nicely put, Dr. Helen Preston. Matthew Northwood. Uh, support your sister and review her drinking and find out why she drinks. Give her your love and the world will change. And Karen in Hereford. Uh, family therapy? Give, give everyone the opportunity to have their say. Your sister might be presenting as the problem. However, in family therapy, it will bring out the family dynamics, contributing and maintaining difficulties, which will help you and your sister. 
It might put other family members' behaviours and responses under more scrutiny. You're responding in a loving way, as are the married couple to your sister's behaviour. Others maybe not. This can be discussed. Um, family therapy, uh, giving your sister her voice, your sister her voice, as well as that of other family members. See who's willing to give it a go. Always a good indicator of who's prepared to help. Good luck. Thank you very much, Karen in Hereford. And I'm going to give the champagne to Dr. Helen in Preston. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Time to meet my guest today, a spinning image. Spinning image entered our world in 1984 and have been much loved ever since. Now those puppets are hitting the stage of the West End in Idiots Assembled, spinning image, the musical. Uh, we're about to talk to a man who's co-written in the musical and provided some of the voices is none other than Al Murray. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yes. Uh, good, how are good, you? Good. You sound, oh. very, you sound remarkably chipper for a Sunday morning. I'm feeling a lot <laughs> slower than you. <laughs> I have more inertia this time of day. I've, I've been. Up, I've probably been up longer. I've been up longer, and I've, ha- I've had more coffee. I've had more coffee. Um, Al Murray, you presumably, I'm, I'm right, Nicky. You're too young to have worked on any of those original spinning well, image series. Well, you say that, but when I very first started out, you know, came to London, sort of Dick Whittington style. Oh yes, I did. I did. Um, I did write, I got a sketch on it in sort of 1991. Back really? In back, or 92, something like that. Yes, with with with, with um, a couple of guys I used to write with. We, 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 they used to have an open house commissioning thing. So you'd go in and pitch. And uh, I remember going, going in and pitching and we got something, we got something on, I, th- I think. And I remember, I, I think we, in my, in my flat share, you know, with all of us, Living together in the in a house of house of hopefuls, yeah. we watched it on the Sunday night, I'm pr- and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain we got a sketch on. But everything, what would happen is you submit a thing, and then it would be, you know, it would then go through the sort of mincer, and you'd you'd see a sketch on the Sunday night, and think, oh yeah, I think that's the one we wrote. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we wrote something like that, yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. Assuming, it had those was, people in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming you had to write for. Puppets that already existed because they wouldn't want to. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Exactly. Because they're very expensive and they take a month. So you know you can't you, to make to make. So what you couldn't do was say, oh, by the way, I want someone not on your catalogue. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, yes. So I did. So I did. You know, I was rushed by it um, all all those years ago. Yeah. But but I wasn't a regular on it or anything. So how so how did you get involved this time around? Oh, the old fashioned way. Um, the people producing it um, uh, asked me. Th- there was there was no there was no sort of audition. They said, "Do you fancy doing this?" And uh, I I bit their hands off. It's 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 been the most extraordinary um, sort of toy box to play with and prospect because because the, the 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 main thing is it's not on telly. So we're not we're not having those meetings where they go, Are "You sure you should say that?" We're not we're not we're not doing we're not doing any of that. We haven't had to do any of that. We've just followed up, followed our nose, run with events, tried to capture the tone of the times and at no point had to explain ourselves to anyone, which has been amazing. So this is a musical. It was a big, big hit at Birmingham Rep and now it's in the yes. West End of the Phoenix Theatre. So yeah. how does it work? When people go to see it, are they watching 
sketches or is it an actual musical with a through story? It, what's, it, the, what's the mood? <laughs> it's a musical with a through story with a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, uh, but in the in the spitting image mode. So there's there's, uh, you know, the, 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 the great and good and some of the not so good and some faces from the old days as well. Uh, and the essential story is it's the week of the coronation. And one week before the coronation, the king realises that the fabric of society, which is a pair of under under undercrackers, <laughs> he realises that they are that the fabric of society is worn thin and he can't be crowned king until it's repaired. So he gives Tom Cruise the impossible mission of saving the UK. And Cruise assembles a team of people around him like RuPaul and Tyson Fury and Angela Rayner and Greta Thunberg and Meghan Markle. Um, and a, a, a motley crew who then, of course, because we've got seven goodies, we have to have seven baddies. And and Ian McKellen narrates the whole thing. And it's tr I mean, I, uh, you know, when you when you say, well, we want Vladimir Putin to do a sort of song and dance number um, uh, uh, that happens. It, it, it's been the most <laughs> extraordinary thing. You, well, we come up with a thing. They make it. You know, it's, it, it's, is it amazing. the real? Is it the real Ian McKellen doing the voice? Or uh, no, 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 okay, no. It's all, it's all, um, an absolutely extraordinary crew of impressionists. I mean, the the, the truth is, is, you know, uh, we we started writing this last year in sort of April, March, April, and then things have obviously things changed at a pace last year. And mm. uh, <laughs> you know, there was a there was a spec for a quasi quartem puppet, but it never got made. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, and and so that you know that the the, 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 the the, 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 for me, it's been that we've kind of done the join the we've done the dots in a join the dots picture, and then the impressionists come in and the puppeteers come in, and it's turned into this extraordinary sort of live cartoon, and the puppeteers are amazing. And my sort of my favourite thing when I go is if I get chatting to people to uh, to ask them to find me in the interval and tell me how many puppeteers they think there are in the show because we have a hundred puppets, a hundred faces, characters go through the show, and the puppeteers make them appear just like that, you know, over and over again. So every scene they're in, they're about to go off and, you know, get more puppet, another puppet and create another scene. It's absolutely amazing to watch. Wow. And also it's a different skill because on telly, yeah. you know, you, you're stopping, you're starting, you can edit, yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. So this is so, I mean, that's really challenging, I would have thought, for puppeteers to do it all live. Well, yes, and, and, and a big part of it is they really can't go, because the puppets are life-size. That's the other thing I think people maybe don't realise, because, you know, how big's your telly, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> when people, it's like when people say to me, you're taller than you are on the television. You think, well, how big's your television? I mean, I'm, of, course I'm, of course I am, you know. Um, but the, puppet, the puppets are life-size. They're the size of people. In fact, the, the sort of, the, 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 like the Boris, the Boris and Trump puppets and uh, the Tyson Fury puppet, they're bigger than people. They're larger than people. They're huge. And so they have this amazing physical presence, but they're also quite heavy. So the, the puppeteers have to be rotated on a kind of like four minute cycle. They can't do longer scenes than four minutes because they get too heavy and their arms get sore and they have to swap arms and all this sort of stuff. So there's the sort of the sort of um, management of the of the scenarios in that respect, as well yeah. as the fact, you know, we're telling this story and there's singing and the, the songs and there's dancing and there's uh, pyrotechnics and there's all sorts of all sorts of stuff all happening all at once. And how fixed is it? If things happen in the world, are you guys able to nip in and change things and you yeah. know add a line here and there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and we did. I mean, when we when we were in preview in Birmingham, the press night was the day that Nicola Sturgeon resigned. So um, uh, uh, we had to haul uh, Jess Robinson, who does uh, our, our, our Nicola, 
um, off her holiday. She was on holiday in the Lake District. So she and her dog was sort of picked up and brought to the <laughs> studio in Birmingham. She did the new lines and she was sent back on holiday. So there's there's a bit of that. I mean, one of the interesting things is since the pandemic, a lot of the voiceover people have home studios now. So you, the, the sort of it's a little bit easier. Don't yeah. necessarily have to get people in. But um, but yes, it, we are, it, it's got places in it where it can be updated. But because we fixed it that week, you know, Sunak remains the prime minister for the duration of the show. But if he, <laughs> I mean, if he went tomorrow, we'd have him saying, oh, don't worry, I'd never resign over X, Y, Z as a, as a, you know, a, a, an ironic foreshadowing. We've got that. We've got that at our disposal as well in the show. Clever. I didn't ask you, what voices do you do? <laughs> um, uh, well, I, um, I'm head of world media, Rupert Murdoch. Um, uh, you seem nice, Graham. Uh, I'm glad we finally prized you out of the BBC. Um, and uh, uh, um, Tyson Fury, who wants to smash your face in. And, and, and I tend to get the sort of um, the more extreme characters. I mean, the, the, uh, the sort of more robust people. Bit, and I'm doing. There's a, we've got we've got a speaking fish. I'm uh, I'm uh, oh um who else am I? I'm I'm Zelensky. I, I basically we did all this about we did these about six weeks ago and I've forgotten everything I did. Um, but, but, what a but, nice surprise for you when you go to see it. Well, there's a little bit of go. Is that me? I'm not sure. My wife elbows me in the ribs and goes, "Is that you?" I'm, I'm like, oh, I, can't, I can't. Honestly, I can't remember. But I mean, there are some really great scenes where Luke Kempner is is, is one of the impressionists. So Matt Ford is, is is who also co-wrote the show. Um, there are scenes where they're talking to themselves and you can't tell because they're wow. they're so they're so good at the voices. There's whole bits where they where they where it's you know um, Ian McKellen talking to Prince Harry, which is uh, uh, and the King, and it's Luke, and he's doing all three, and you would you would never know. It's it the the, the talent, the voice talent is extraordinary. And then in this weird thing that's happening, you know, because the world is the world, uh, you are appearing in two West End shows at the same time. So one, audi- one yes. audience is laughing at you in the Phoenix Theatre and there's another <laughs> audience laughing at you at the Garrick. Uh, yes. tell, us, tell us about that. Well, that's this. Uh, it's a new play by Simon Nye um, uh, of Men Behaving Badly in the Durrells uh, authorship fame and it's called The Crown Jewels and it's about um, uh, an extraordinary event in British history when the crown jewels of England were stolen from the Tower of London by a renegade Irishman called Colonel Thomas Blood, who who was a, you know, after the Civil War, there was great foment, uh, even though the, the monarchy had been restored and Charles II's the merry monarch with a, with a, a, a moustache as, as, as uh, I mean, no one's watching this on Zoom, thank goodness. But the, the, <laughs> I, I've had to grow a moustache for this. And it's the most amazing story because, because, they get he, blood and his blood and his gang. They get into the Tower of London and they're wearing theatrical dis- disguises of the time, so false wigs and and hair and teeth and stuff, and beards. And they get in and they get their hands on the crown jewels. Um, and then and so the play tells that story and then tells the story of what happens afterwards. And I don't want to I don't want to offer a spoiler as to w- what happens to blood afterwards. Um, but it is the most amazing story. And I'm playing King Charles II, the Merry Monarch himself, of course. Uh, um, which is an absolutely fantastic part. If like me, you like dressing up, and um, I have five costume changes of um, increasing opulence and sort of uh, absurdity. These are ama- I've got these amazing red tra- taffeta breeches with a, go- a gold, a golden uh, maroon braid waistcoat, 
and a, and and a suit rather, and then a and then a waistcoat that goes gold waistcoat that goes with it, and that's the modest kit. That's the like <laughs> that's, that's his relaxing. Down. Yeah, that's his dress down, hanging hanging out with his dudes um, uh, outfit, and and. The play is done in a kind of restoration comedy style. So we know the audience is there. We, we're acknowledging that the audience is part of what's going on. And so when I'm the king, I'm uh, a big part of the play is I'm rehearsing for a 10-year jubilee. So I'm doing a, you know, getting my speech ready. So I'm asking the audience for their opinion on the speech. And it's all very, it's all very sort of uh, no fourth wall, in, uh, as they say in, in the theatre, as I'm discovering, because this is my first play so um, uh, that I've been in. So I'm I'm finding out all these sort of things like you tip the dresser and and all this sort of stuff. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's but it's Alan, amazing thing to be involved. What was what was I going to say to you? Because I mean, is the pub landlord? Because you know, yes, it's your first play, <laughs> but but the pub landlord is a performance. It isn't. Yes. Or have you done it so much it doesn't feel like acting? Um, it doesn't feel like it. It. it I mean. You know, it's been interesting talking, talking to discussing some acting stuff with the actors because I, I, you know, if I when I do a show, I put the rings on when they say front of house clearance, put the the bling on, and I go on. I don't sit there going, uh, "Who am I? Um, <laughs> what is what is my motivation?" or any of that stuff. And I know obviously there are a lot of cliches about actors and all that sort of thing, but um, uh, and nonsense as well. But but I, I I've very much got used to just going on and minimum fuss. Whereas this is this is all quite different, and it's been, but it's. Tremendous fun. The plays, the cast is extraordinary. So it's there's there's Mel Droik, Neil Morrissey, um, uh, uh, Joe Thomas, um, Aidan McCardle. Uh, it, 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 it's an extraordinary cast of funny, funny, funny people. And so you know, you, you I've had you, you you go in thinking, well, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to raise my game here. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to pay attention and listen to listen to what the others are saying, oh. which is which is which is. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's uh, quite the culture shock. For yeah, me. really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, have you stopped talking? Uh, yes, basically. Oh, yeah. well, I meant to come. Is it me? <laughs> do you have to do a warm up, Al? Ah, uh, well, yes, um, yes, and you know, I mean, it's all that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm adjusting, and I'm, I'm, and everyone. I mean, everyone. We're all having a wonderful time. Everyone's very, everyone's yeah. lovely. We've, we, we started on Friday. Um, we the, the set is also um, it's a brilliant. We have this revolving set that switches between three rooms, and so there's been this business of which door am I going through? Oh God! <laughs> and then the set the set starts moving. You think ah, like am I in the way or should I be walking through it and all this sort of stuff? So, but it's a it's a it's great fun and and the what's amazing is that the the, the thing the thing is about the um, Charles the Second's uh, coronation is that. The Cromwell, the protectorate had, government had had sold off the crown jewels, melted them down. They were gone, and only the anointing spoon that we that we saw at the coronation is the la, was the is the one thing that survived unscathed. So Charles II had to remake. They had new jewels made, which are the ones we've got now. Wow! And so 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 the, this all these questions around what is a king. What's a you know? What is a king without his crown? Is a question we ask in the show, and also there's the tension between, you know, England and Ireland because Cromwell had Cromwell had um, done such ghastly things in Ireland the, 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 the decade previous, and so you've got the political stuff, the fallout from that as well that that Charles is having to deal with. So I mean, it's a very funny play, but these are the these are the sort of some the of the some of the yeah. some of the some of the sort of things we're kicking around, as well as 
as, as well as Mel Mel doing her damnedest to make me laugh um, in every scene. But that's a that's a that's a different matter. Uh, well, if you're an Al Murray fan, what a time to be alive! Uh, oh, well, I mean, if you're spinning. me, what a time to be alive! <laughs> Honestly, I, I wander into the West End and, and feel incredibly big headed. Uh, I know you should. Uh, SpinningImageTheMusical.com uh, or CrownJewelsPlay.com. Yep. That's how you get info and tickets. Al, have a lovely oh, Sunday. Carrie oh, Hope yes. Fletcher's Carrie Hope Fletcher's in it. I forgot Carrie, which is ridiculous. Who's this amazing? She's an amazing musical theatre star. So we've got this we've got this veneer of musical theatre respectability, as well as us all mugging and crashing into the furniture. So it's the most it's the most amazing thing we've got. In well this sold, well sold, that man. <laughs> Go enjoy your day off. Take care of yourself, Al. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Well, it's all been fun and games so far. Now let's see what strawberry masterpiece Martha has up her sleeve. Hello, Martha. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. And yourself? Yes, very good. Thank you. Good. So the, uh, I mean, to call it a glut makes makes it sound like a bad thing, but there's a lot of strawberries. That's what we're saying. There's a lot of strawberries <laughs> in the world right now. People are looking for things to do with them. Exactly. Yeah. I've heaved in <laughs> a couple of punnets of strawberries to the offices, to the kitchens today. Uh, so yesterday we did uh, burrata uh, with uh, strawberries and with green peppercorn mm. and things. Very savoury. Is today savoury or sweet? Today is sweet. So we're going for a lovely little elevated dessert. This is a yoghurt panna cotta with roasted strawberries and some little oat biscuits. Wow. A yoghurt panna cotta with roasted strawberries and what sort of biscuits? Some little oat biscuits. Almost, almost like a cross between a flapjack and a shortbread. A little oaty, little oaty snack. Okay. Are you making them? <laughs> I am making them, yes. Okay. So this sounds like, I mean, this sounds like it's going to be difficult to cook. What sort of chef could could manage this? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those, I'm going to sit down and spend a bit more time making something. Waitress actually launched a report this week called the Cooking Kind of Report, where they surveyed 4,000 people and kind of they've crunched them down into seven different categories of what different types of cooks people are. And one of them, my favourite one, I think, is called the Saturday cook. But we could we could call it the Sunday cook. Yeah, that's really the weekend <laughs> cook, isn't it? The weekend cook. And it's basically for when you've got a bit more time. And it says that a third of us, a third of those surveyed, said that at the weekend they would happily sit down and spend at least an hour cooking. So this is a recipe. This is a recipe for those people. <laughs> is this the survey where loads of people said they were very good chefs? Yes, it is. They also surveyed how, how you rate your cooking. And a third of people rated themselves very good or more. 7% rated themselves excellent cooks. These are such waitress shoppers, aren't they? <laughs> I don't even know if they surveyed just waitress customers. Or I feel like it was probably general, but I rate the confidence. I'm, ple- I'm pleased to hear that people are feeling like they're feeling their cooking skills. Yeah, but uh, so, but realistically, so yes, we're a weekend chef who's got some more time, but panna cotta sounds like there are some skills involved. <laughs> Do you know what? It does sound like there's a lot of skill involved, but now I'm kind of backtracking on what I've just said about this being a weekend recipe. Because actually, apart from the settings, so you've got to be a bit, bit prepared and know that it has to have five hours in the fridge or overnight. But apart from that, you can do it. It's not too hard. Martha's quietly confident, everyone. Quietly confident. This is, this right. is not just for the 7%. <laughs> this is for the 50%. <laughs> uh, take it away, Martha. What do we do first? So we're going to start with the panna cotta. We're going to get that bit out of the way. Panna cotta just means cooked cream. So that's essentially what we're going to do. So we're taking double cream, some milk and some honey, some acacia honey, warming that until it's nice and warmed through, just about steaming. Then you take that off the heat. In a separate bowl, we're soaking some gelatin leaves. And this is where people go, oh, this sounds really hard. You just need yes. two gelatin leaves. All, <laughs> all soaking them is, is putting them in water. They soften in about two minutes and that's it. 
Once they've softened, we're mixing those into our milk and our cream that's been heated up. Then we're adding yoghurt, giving it a very quick whisk so it's all mixed together, then pouring it into your moulds. And if you haven't got fancy panna cotta moulds, you just need a cupcake tray. That will work just as well. Um, and then they go into the fridge. That's not too hard. Okay. But, <laughs> but also, I'm now thinking, so I'm, amid, I'm thinking I could do that. I know where it's going to go wrong is when I try to get them out of the stupid tray. <laughs> we will get to that. Don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> I promise I will help you get them out. Okay. Um, so once the panna cottas are in the fridge, they need five hours or overnight. So get those done the day before or a couple of hours before. And then we're going to be making biscuits and roasted strawberries. Now, roasted strawberries are amazing because everyone has a couple of strawberries in the back of the fridge that look a bit sad and this is the way to restore them to their full glory so you take your strawberries slice them up toss them into a little bit of sugar and a little bit of lime juice then they get roasted just for about 10 to 15 minutes they release all this lovely syrup so that's what's going to get drizzled over the panna cottas and the strawberries become really intense and sweet and no one will ever know that they were the ones at the back of the fridge so saving wow. the how, how, hot is, how hot is the oven so you want it about 180 degrees okay okay so not too not too hot not too cold just in the middle and they you know they, it does wonders it's great on porridge and yogurt and things like that so always have a couple of roasted strawberries in the fridge um, and then we're making these biscuits and the biscuits are again really simple it's a Steph Blackwell recipe and she's just made exactly the number of biscuits you need so it's not a huge big dough it's just about 25 grams of each of the ingredients so we've got some flour some oats some soft brown sugar some butter and a bit of baking powder mixing that all together they take about eight to ten minutes to bake these little tiny biscuits and they can just be dunked in but the unmolding of the panna cotta I hear you ask how do we how do we do that now the best tip for this is to get yourself a bowl of warm water and then we're just going to dunk if you've done it in a cupcake pan do it in like a roasting tin we're going to dunk the bottom so not into the panna cotta of the tin into the hot water just for a couple of seconds and that just kind of will loosen it and then you can invert it tip it out and it should just dollop out with a lovely kind of squelchy sound yeah yeah should should <laughs> <But> it, yeah <laughs> if not serve them in the mold this is another good tip do it in little cupcake um not cupcake little um teacups and then you haven't got to do the inverting you can just serve it straight up now you're talking martha <laughs> collison that's that's what that's why we need a show chef yeah don't try and get it out just leave them in that's a very very good idea if you'd like uh, the full recipe for that you can go to waitress.com slash show chef and you've got all of martha's recipes there or you you can check out our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, I should also remind people that it's, time is running out. If they don't get their entry in uh, by half past 12, they can't uh, be in with the hope of seeing you next weekend. Uh, what do they do? Just quickly remind people. Yep, so you just want to go to virginradio.co.uk slash win, fill in the form, give me your best picnic tip, and then we'll rock up at your house next weekend with everything you need. I'll cook you a lovely picnic meal, and you get all the stuff, the picnic basket, the hamper, the rug. It will all be coming to you. We look forward to it. I'll talk to you next week again. Take care, Martha. Bye. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, it's game show time. Ha, ha, ha. What's in the Waitrose Hessian bag? That's the name of the game. Uh, yes, Waitrose are back. A new lower price is hundreds of your favourites. And to help you with the shop, we are giving you the chance to win up to £250 to spend at Waitrose by playing What's in the Waitrose Hessian bag, like I said. Now, it's quite a heavy bag. There's a lot in it. There's uh, essential Waitrose beef mints, Valencia orange ice lollies, cherries, all but a shortbread fingers, pink grapefruit squash, essential Waitrose Greek style yogurt, uh, Waitrose feta, uh, salmon fillet, it's ripe avocado or ciabatta bread rolls. 
all the products on the wheel. Uh, we'll spin the wheel, and whichever those products you land on, you'll have the chance of winning a hundred pounds weight of vouchers. But one of them, you could win two hundred fifty pounds weight of vouchers. You have to answer a question. Uh, let's talk to our first caller. It is, I believe, Joanna. Hello, Joanna. Hi, Graham. <gasps> there she is, all primed, <laughs> ready. Uh, where are you, Joanna? I'm in Purley in Surrey. <gasps> Lovely. Are you having a nice Sunday? Very nice, thank you. The kids are out and uh, <laughs> we're having a barbecue later, so it'll be great. Oh, marvellous. Uh, and are you doing the barbecue? No, off, we're going around to our friends. Oh, that's the that oh that is the best barbecue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You just go, it happens, and then you walk away. Nothing to do exactly. with us. Thank you very much. Uh, very good. All right. So listen, I can tell you that when we spin this wheel, if you land on the essential waitress beef mints, you are playing for two hundred fifty pounds. Okay. If you okay. land on anything else, you're playing for a hundred pounds. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, there's just a simple question. Whatever we land on, there's a simple question related to that product, okay? And if you get it right, you you win the monetary amount. And if you get it wrong, we'll go to the next caller, okay? Okay. You're, okay. Brilliant. Joanna, good luck. Let's spin the wheel. There it goes. Oh, oh, it's slowing down. And it's landed on... It's landed on feta. Essential waitress feta. That's a, it's a hundred pounds. There's a hundred pounds at play. Brilliant. There's a hundred pounds. Okay. At play. So it's it's not two hundred and fifty, but you know you're going to a free barbecue, so that's all good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. <clears throat> Here's your question. True. I like the tension bed. <laughs> Wait till you hear the question. <laughs> True or false? Come on, Joanna, you can do this. True or false? Feta cheese originates from Greece. Is that true or false? That's true. I let's think. See let's see if you're right. <gasps> you are right. A hundred pounds <laughs> to spend at Waitrose, winging its way to Joanna in Hurley. Congratulations. You. I've got so many people listening, so I was dreading getting it wrong. <laughs> well, do you want to say hello to some of the people listening? Yeah, I would love to. I'd love to say uh, hello to the Jurenko family. And it's my two cousins, Gabriella, my twin cousins, Gabriella and Natasha's birthday today. So Aww. huge, huge uh, shout out to them and the whole of the family. Lovely. And uh, I hope it stays dry for your barbecue and you have a lovely time. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, listen, congratulations to you and thanks for playing Watson the Waitress, Hessian Bag. Joanna and Pearlie, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. That's us for now. Thanks so much for listening. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. And make sure you're up to date with all our goings on at Virgin Radio UK on all of our social channels. Catch you next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.